Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. Oh. I'm your host, Richard Wilmore. I'm your other host, Constanza Roeder. And today we had the amazing pleasure of talking with Amy Standridge. Um, We've been friends for years, and she's this amazing music therapist here in San Antonio, Texas. And she helped found what is known as the Grace Notes Choir here in San Antonio, which um, has members membership includes people with dementia and their caregivers and they're having such an amazing impact on our community and she has such an amazing impact on in so many different communities um in san antonio so you're really excited to get to talk with her yeah and spoiler alert they're virtual so if you need if you want to join Uh uh-huh the choir there's a virtual element so even you if you're not in san, in san antonio that's the fun thank part. you covid you yeah. can now join the choir but i yeah. feel like this episode isn't just for people um obviously there's really great information in here that's specific for people dealing with dementia and people caring for people with lo- caring for loved ones um dealing with dementia uh, she's some really great stuff about that but i think there's some universal topics that we talked about as well just about like music for self-care mm-hmm. and um he- the role that humor and play has in our lives and why that's so important and she also teaches us a really simple little music activity that you can do when you um whenever you just need a, a mindful moment in a moment you need of play to make some noise yes which yes. i feel like i feel like sometimes i just need to be loud and yeah it's cathartic mine usually comes out in the, in the form of me in the backyard yelling but yes. now i can like stay in, in the house and make noise that way and maybe yes, make it a little exactly. bit better Yes. Exactly. My husband's going to be so excited that Amy showed me another way to na- make more noise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> poor Jeff. Poor, poor Jeff. Yeah. And then we also, I loved, uh, she's kind of recently discovered that fun is super important. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, and really is a core right value. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how she's embracing that and, and really and integrating also, that into everything she does. Yeah. And just talking about that, that how much overlap there is between music and, and play and fun Mm -hmm. and also um, play and mindfulness. Like I think a lot of people think of mindfulness as sitting still and trying to not think about anything, but mindfulness can happen in motion in moments of fun and play. Um, And she, so she talks about that in this episode too. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. She is a board certified music therapist, uh, which she has been for over 20 years, and she has a master's degree in both music therapy and music and human learning. Amy currently works with people living with dementia and their care partners and leads an online choir through Meals on Wheels in San Antonio. Amy's core values include connection, authenticity, acceptance, and fun. And you're about to hear more about her and all the work she's doing. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Amy after this. Whether you consider yourself a musician or not, music is all around us and it affects our everyday lives. Whether it's background music influencing our shopping habits in a store, organ music adding the vibe to a baseball game, or a playlist convincing us to keep going on that last mile of a run. I'm Mindy Peterson, host of the podcast Enhanced Life with Music, where we take a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives through the lens of science and health, sports and entertainment, business and education. You can find me and Enhanced Life with Music at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast or wherever you get your audio. 
Unleash the power of music. Uh, Can we start by talking about your core values and where those came from? Sure. Well, I never really took the time to, I mean, I kind of know what my core values are. I mean, I'm honest. I have integrity. I care about, um, I care about the underdog, you know, those, but in the past with, 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 um, with the COVID pandemic, not being able to see clients face to face, like I was used to, I was left with a lot of time to, um, to fill in some gaps. And one of those things was a peer supervision that I've been a part of in the music therapy community, where we did some sessions and some investigations into our core values. And as I was looking at those and, you know, you answer a series of questions, what's important to you? The thing that came up every time was humor and fun and humor and fun. And I went, well, that's, I mean, that's not really a thing. That's, that's, you know, that's nice, you know? Um, And then of course I came up with the other ones, you know, compassion and commitment. And, but right now the humor and fun really has stuck in my brain. And um, the more I process that with people, the more people said, Hey, that is a core value that is important. And so you should go with that. Um, So that's where that came from. And um, it's been a while since I've looked at my core values besides that one. So like, that's it. That's awesome. I love that. I, uh, has that changed? Has it been more prevalent like over the last year with, with the pandemic and being isolated? I feel like adding that to a core value to be like, you know, everyone's already now zoomed out. Mm -hmm. And so like, how do you make that better? And how do you make the virtual world better? And that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we, you know, in our, I know I'm kind of going off the the question here, but in our, in our choir that we're going to talk about, we have fun every time we end up in fits of giggles and laughing. And a part of that is because we just know each other by now and we've been through it. I mean, 18 months on Zoom as a choir is crazy. And especially with older adults who you might think, you know, they might not be flexible with the technology. They're super flexible with the technology. Hmm. And um, we've gotten to know each other really, really well. And that's one of the things about music and humor is they both build community when you're Hmm. doing something valuable together and something beautiful and something fun and joyful. um, Your community develops as a result of that. So that's been a really clear path in our choir in terms of what we've been able to continue to do Mm. via zoom after this, this pivot. That's awesome. Well, let's just dive in. Tell us a little bit about your background and how that led you to grace notes choir. Mm -hmm. So I've been a board certified music therapist since 2000 and I started, um, so to be a, to become a music therapist, a board certified music therapist, you have to do the um, you know at, at least a bachelor's de- uh, degree program. I have a master's in music therapy from Colorado State University, and then you do an internship. So I did a six month internship in a VA hospital in Topeka, Kansas. That was mm-hmm. really fun. And then I moved to Austin and began working as a music therapist with a really wonderful company in Austin called the Center for Music Therapy. They've been doing a lot of amazing work recently with um, gait rehab and Parkinson's disease. And they've Mm. been to the Grammys. And I mean, they're doing some really cool work. That might be a good topic for a future podcast too. Mm. Um, But uh, yeah, so I was um, working in a private practice and I enjoyed that. I started seeing, I had clients who were two years old who had speech delays and I had clients who were in their nineties who had dementia and ones in their forties who had had head injuries or strokes Mm. and then moved to San Antonio and had a couple of kiddos. And um, so at that point I took a little bit of time off and then came back to work in the school district. And I was doing assessments in Northeast independent school district under the head therapist there. I was co um, not co-treating, but Oh, contract, subcontracting, that's the word, subcontracting Mm -hmm. there. And then um, that, that position ended. And I was at the point where I get to reinvent myself all over again, after however many years, (laughs) 18 years of music therapy, and with a couple of those years off and, and started my own private practice. And um, I found that the older adult community here in San Antonio, Texas, where I live and practice is absolutely amazing and vibrant and plugged in and helpful. It's just really great. If you are an old person listening to this podcast from somewhere else, move to San Antonio. Come to San Antonio. Yes. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Um, So so I started working with older adults and that was great. You know, I was seeing clients face to face. I love doing music therapy groups in uh, memory care units. 
I enjoy working with clients face-to-face independently um, and with people with dementia or Parkinson's. I love being a part of their lives and a part of their care partners' lives. It really is um, a holistic you know, picture of, of healthcare like you see in your arts, um, in arts community where it's not just me and the client sitting next to each other working together. Like I'm in their home, I'm with their mm-hmm. family, I see their struggles. Um, it's really special to do that. And then COVID hit. Well, mm-hmm. actually before, before that was when the choir. So, um, so I used to teach music together, a program for kids um, ages zero to four with their parents. And one of the parents in my class was a neuroscientist at um, university hospital. And we were talking about, oh, you know, about having me come to his class and speak. Yes, I love it. And it just never worked out, never worked out. And I got a text just uh, after we hadn't spoken in a while and a text saying, hey, Dr. Carol White from UT Health Caring for the Caregiver wants to start a choir for people living with dementia and their care partners. Can you help? Yes, I can. <laughs> um, I absolutely was gung ho to do that. And what my thought my role was going to be was kind of a consultant to help the music director um, learn more about how to interact with people with dementia, you know, the different stages. Let's listen. Once you meet one person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia. Mm-hmm. There's no blanket mm-hmm. um, uh, characteristics. It affects everybody's brain differently. It affects people's personalities differently. And I thought, yes, I would love to be um, a consultant and kind of help help get this choir off the ground. Um, But as soon as I met Carol White, and she was so excited, she said, do you want to be our director? And I said, yes, I do. (laughs) And she said, can we start next week? I'm like, yes, we can. And we, we pretty much did. We started about two weeks later and Grace wow. Notes Community Choir was born with, um, we had eight members, four duets, somebody with dementia and a care partner. In most cases, it's a husband and wife. But in one case, we had a grandmother and a, gra- a grandmother, a great, wait, a grandmother, her granddaughter and her great granddaughter would come together. Aww. Yes. So it was amazing. And we were meeting in person and we built it up pretty nicely. We were performing around the community at um, Grace Place, Alzheimer's Activity Centers, um, at the Educational Summit put on by the Alzheimer's Association. And it was so exciting and we're gigging and um, (laughs) a really valuable place for people with dementia to be able to give back and to be able to show off and to be able to really, Mm. hey, I still got it. Um, it was lovely. We were just about to perform at an educational summit. And then March 13th was the day that mm. I remember the date. It was Friday the 13th. Everything Ugh. apart. <laughs> so it was like, should we cancel? Oh, it's, I felt like it was the responsible thing to do. You know, but it was still so early. It wasn't quite like there was still a question. It was still, do I evaluate? Should I, shouldn't I cancel? Yes, we canceled. Yes, we closed the door. And then it was like, honestly, honestly, it was for me, it was like, darkness fell. Mm. It's awful. Mm-hmm. All of the things that I just love with a passion and that bring me joy and energy were just gone. Mm-hmm. And um, so what were we going to do? It was awful. Mm-hmm. And uh, kids were at home and, you know, wow, everybody knows, everybody knows. I don't have to describe that very much. But Dr. White was, um, let's do, can we do Zoom? Yes, let's do Zoom. And so we started Zoom right away. So we started our first Zoom rehearsal, I think it was April 4th or something, 2020. And Constanza, I remember you were doing that too. You were doing the pivot and doing all, everything was online. And wow, I was calling at you, calling on you and looking, <laughs> what is Constanza? What is Arts How are we doing? doing this? <laughs> what are we going to do? Um, but yeah, and we haven't, we haven't lost hardly any members. You know, a couple of people chose not to continue on Zoom and waiting for in person. Uh, but we even gained some new members as well. And I just think the sense of community, people with dementia live in a lot of isolation anyway. And then when, and their care partners too, who, who mm. have the health, you know, have health issues as well. A lot of the times because they put every ounce of their love and time and energy into their loved ones. Um, the sense mm. of isolation is great. So the fact that the choir could continue in, in our own homes was really a lifesaver for more people than just me, I think. Mm. So where did that idea come from to that Carol had to have a choir Mm. and what, what impact do you see it has on your participants? Yeah. 
Well, Carol, um, she's a real, uh, she's a real energetic go-getter. Obviously, will you be our director? And can we start next week? Yes, yes. So obviously, that's my that's my love language. So I'm like, yes, ma'am, we can. Um, and she uh, and uh, I, she's um, very um, open about this. So I don't think I'm sharing something that that she doesn't wouldn't want me to. But her mother has dementia, and Carol is a pianist and a musician. And has has just was able to see how her mom, as the stages of dementia progressed, how music still invigorated her, and how she was still able to sing. I believe she was still able to play the piano in an mm-hmm. area where other areas of cognitive decline go off fast, and the music remained. And so, I think Carol's original idea was to start a band because <laughs> her mom's an instrumentalist. Yeah, and, oh, wow, like not a rock band, you know, but like yeah. a, I don't know, orchestra, whatever. <laughs> But and then I think she quickly realized, well, that's let's start with let's start with the choir. So who knows? Maybe Grace Notes Community Orchestra will begin here. After oh, I love it. But but yeah, and so it's been great for um, it's been great for the for their program. You know, they have a lot of student volunteers. We've had a lot of students in and out through our doors, and um, it just really took off. And and especially with with Carol and uh, some of her, you know. As you know, you know, when you start a choir or when, or when you have a program or something, the word of mouth from your participants is the best. And Carol was a participant, too. So she was really spreading the word. Hmm. That's awesome. So question. <laughs> what, what is it about music and people with memory issues that's so significant? Yeah. Well, one of the things is that music is processed whole as a whole brain process. So it's not just located in one specific area like speech is. Um, there's so it, it connects all the networks, the different networks in the brain and draws from the different areas. When you're when you're singing, you're using your um, you're using your voice. So you're using respiration that improves your respiration and you got to take big, deep breaths in order to, to sing. And it also singing with a group, especially well. Um, increase the feel-good hormones like oxytocin and um, the sense of community that occurs when you're singing together. It's it it crosses all sorts of boundaries. Not only cultures, languages, um, cognitive abilities. So music is something that's accessible long into the dementia process because it is so processed because it is processed so globally in the brain. And also, like, as we mentioned before, it's just plain fun and fun is good for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you talk more about that? Can you talk about fun? I feel like at this stage in the pandemic, <laughs> like just everything feels so heavy and serious and they, we, what, there's one crisis and then another crisis. And it's just like, okay. Okay. Can you, so can you talk a little bit about, about fun I know we're focused on the choir today, but yeah. I feel like this is relevant. Too. Yeah. Well, it's been so fascinating to me now really studying humor. I mean, it's something that that comes naturally to me and a lot of people. But humor is powerful even if you're not funny. You don't have to be funny. You know, part of it's levity, being able to see the lightness of a situation, being able to sort of make fun of yourself to a certain extent. You know, there are certain types of types of humor that are actually negative. If you if you mm. make fun of yourself too much, it makes people uncomfortable. And if you make fun of somebody else, that's that's negative humor. Do not do that. It's not it's not funny. If it hurts somebody, it's not funny. That's how I feel. Um, but in the same way that music is processed globally in the in the brain, humor is processed globally as well. So mm. you have your um, you have your physical sense of humor, which is the laughter. And laughter is, I mean, there's something called laughter yoga. If you guys haven't heard of laughter yoga, you need to have a laughter yoga person on to talk. Ooh. It's amazing. Yes, right. yes, yes. Ask me, I'll, I'll find someone for you if you need help. Excellent. Um, but so that's the physical ex- expression of humor. So in the same way that singing is a physical expression of the music in your heart, laughter is a physical expression of the joy in your heart. Hey, I just made that up. I need to write, Ooh, that, was write that down. I know. Quotable. I gave myself goosebumps. I need to write that down. <laughs> Maybe I stole that from someone, I don't know. Um, But then you have um, the wit, which is the cognitive level of humor. You know, it's funny because it's just kind of clever. It's incongruous, you know, or that's a word, incongruous. Anyway, two things that don't usually go together. When you put them together, it's funny because it's unexpected. And the brain Mm -hmm. loves a little bit of novelty. Um, So that's another sense of humor. So you have the physical and the laughter. You have the cognitive and the wit. And you have the emotional and the mirth that feeling of lightness that you get, um, the goosebumps that you might get, the laughter, um, 
or the idea of, you know, hey, that's that's funny. I made a joke. That's pretty cool. That mirth, that, that's the feeling. So the mm. physical, tied up in that quote, the physical, the cognitive, and the feeling. And music has all of those things as well. Mm. Um, and because of that, both of them are very important to our just daily life as, as human beings. It's a part, Oliver Sacks says music is a part of being human. Mm. And I agree. And I also think humor is a part of being human. Mm. And then fun, you know, fun, different people have different ideas of fun and fun can inspire all of those things. I mean, fun might be watching a funny show, which might make you laugh and experience wit and mirth. Um, fun might be at riding a bike. I have a humor colleague who is, she's a swinger. And by that mean like literally swings, like on swings. swings. Yes, nice. like swing sets, you know. Like a swing set, like a <laughs> playground. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so she has a swinging club for all her adults and she's amazing. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, and playing, you know, one of the things that that's fun about um, music too, is it brings together the generations. And I know some folks, you know, when you're older and maybe isolated and if it's just you and your care partner and you're by yourselves a lot of the time, and then you have a grandchild to come visit or, or even a child that brings a different kind of energy is an important point of connection. And that can bring a lot of fun and laughter too. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like, you know, mindfulness is important, but I'm a real um, energetic person. I'm always going, I have a hard time with yoga, staying in one position, clearing my mind. I just don't really work that way. And so then I go, well, I don't, I'm not good at mindfulness. I'm not mindful, but fun is mindful. Riding your bike is mindful. Anything where you're experiencing your environment can be mindful. It doesn't need to be sitting down meditating it can be and I know that's a wonderful thing Mm. Um, but it's just it's not easy for me but fun is a form of mindfulness oh yeah I guess I hadn't thought about that before Mm. but it is like bringing you into the present moment you're focused on an activity or you know a a thing you know um yeah I guess I hadn't yeah I hadn't put those together before but I think you're right She's like, I know I'm right. Sometimes I play, um, I play Hannon exercises on the piano because, you know, piano is a mindfulness act, mindful activity. I'm looking at it. Oh, that's my piano over there. Um, piano, you know, playing in this instrument is a mindful experience too. Of course, your mind can wander, but, but I find, you know, sometimes I get frustrated. I don't play as well as I used to think I did or, or used to play as well. Um, but so Hannon exercises are something It's just, it's kind of, um, mechanical and but yet it's creative and when i'm doing those exercises i'm not thinking about other things so that's my one of my one of my forms of mindfulness as well for people don't know can you explain what that type of exercise is hand and exercise oh yeah um so let's see it would be it's kind of like the calisthenics of of music so it would be a warm-up exercise so wouldn't it be a maybe a beautiful piece of music that would make you go oh it's gorgeous listen to the you know the the horn section or listen to the string section there. Um, it's just a very repetitive, it's a repetitive exercise going up and down the keyboard. Yeah. Tails and chords and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Where did your love of music come from and how did that transition into like, I need to be a music therapist Yeah. and yeah. how did you even like find out what that was? Yeah. Maybe to well, find music therapy for us. Yeah. That so, Yeah, so I can't. Of course, you know, the American Music Therapy Association. (laughs) So the clinical definition of music therapy is a a clinical and evidence-based use of music interventions, um, addressing individualized goals within a therapeutic relationship with a qualified music therapy professional. (laughs) So it's evidence-based, which means it's research-based. We know it, it, and we know it works and why. Um, It doesn't take any of the magic or the beauty out of it. It's just it just supports it. Um, it's goal oriented. So when I'm addressing a music, when I'm working with somebody individually or in a group as a music therapist, we're working on communication or speech or gait or physical functioning. Um, so those are the goal or it's goal oriented. Um, and within a therapeutic relationship, I mean, a lot of it is the relationship between the therapist and the music and you know, there's so many different kinds of music therapy and different levels of, of the therapist being the focal point. Like really we want the music to be the focal point and it is in, in most cases, but this is a really wide um, variety of applications and styles and um, theoretical models that you could use in music therapy. So I, um, let's see, I have an undergraduate degree in sociology 
And I picked that because it was my junior year and my university said, Hey, you got to pick something now. <laughs> and so I looked at my, I looked at my, uh, my courses and it was either psychology or sociology and sociology was more interested. So you, that's why. So I had that degree in sociology when I lived, when I was in high school, I went through a period of some depression and there were only two things that I ever wanted to do in that state, in that state. And one was play the piano. Hmm. So that's always just been a really important instrument to me and just a more, excuse me, an important um, pastime and an important love, really. I mean, I have a, I have a passion for it. I guess it's, I would say it was my spirit instrument, the piano. I play Hmm. other instruments too, but, and then I stopped playing for a while because, you know, real, oh, real life is happening now. Real life's happening. So Hmm. I can't have leisure as much and I can't have fun as much, which don't believe it. Don't believe the hype. You can Anyway, um, so I, but I went on my way as a sociologist, actually, I was a cocktail waitress and a food server and um, once waited on the red hot chili peppers. That's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, okay. this was the 90s. Yeah, the mid 90s. And um, then I was working in a radiochemistry laboratory analyzing um, samples for radioactivity. That was my job. And my mom read about music therapy in a book and called me and but that was before texting right so she had to call me that was practically before email she called me she wrote you a letter yeah she wrote me a letter (laughs) sent it by horseback (laughs) yeah so she called me and said you need to look into this and it just so happened I lived in a state and city Charleston South Carolina a beautiful place where they had a program and so I started my undergraduate work at the Charleston Southern University but since I already had the bachelor's degree, I didn't didn't really want to get another one. So I tr- I did a master's equivalency program at Colorado State, and so yeah, so that's how I heard about music therapy, and it was the kind of thing that um, you know I guess how old was I when I was when I first learned about it? I guess I was twenty eight or something, and you know you're practically grown up at that age. My my mom says nobody expects anything of you until you're thirty, and so I was I was. I was taking that very seriously. Um, (laughs) And so it just clicked. Like I went in my classes, just everything was intuitive to me. It all made sense. It was like, it was like Eureka. This is Mm. what I've been looking for all of my life. It came easy to me. I was passionate about it. I still am. Um, Yeah. So that's how I became, that's how I found out about music therapy and my mom. Thank you, mom. Oh, that's so cool. Was there like a wow moment when you were maybe working with a client or like somehow saw music therapy in action where you're like, whoa, this is, this is real. This makes a huge, a real impact. Can you maybe share a story like that about how music therapy has affected people? Sure. You know, when you first started asking, I had the perfect example and then it it escaped me. But yes, so many moments like that, which is, I think, you know, how I know I'm in the right career, because I live for that kind of moment. Like, I love to see improvement in people and change in people. And, you know, improvement doesn't have to be, you know, you can't speak, and then you're suddenly you're, you know, an opera singer, you know, that's not what I'm looking at, even the littlest things. And music is so powerful in that way. I think what I'll what I'll use is, in my current, so back in May, when things sort of looked really good in terms of COVID, I got to go back into a memory care and see some uh, groups of clients there. And just just seeing how the music brings people together about how it helps people um, have fun and it helps people for, have memories and to do something valuable, socially valuable together. And I guess just kind of tie, let me tie my, tie my sort of humor thread back in here because it's just been, this is new to me. So I've had lots of like epiphanies about it. So, so as the dementia, pro, as the dementia um, process progresses, um, you obviously lose more and more uh, skills, you know, that's cognitive memories, but also just procedural memories, how to stand up, how to walk, etc. Mm. All of those things are controlled by the brain. So when the brain becomes damaged, you lose some of those things. But one of the things also is that, you know, music brings you, know, you when you're performing music with somebody or in a therapeutic relationship in a group, you know, it's a little different because I've got like 20 people. It's not that one on one close to face to face individual client. Um, but I had a particular client who wasn't able to hear and music is, you know, hearing is important, but people who can't hear still enjoy music. So why, you know, what is it about that? So I had this one particular um, resident in the memory care who was just really quiet and a little bit, a little bit, a um, little bit uh, withdrawn hmm. and a little bit of a frown, you know, on her face. 
And I would come, I would be singing something with the guitar and I'd be right next to her. And she's like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And so I found that when I, um, when I would come back to her the next time, I made sure that my music making was also very animated. You know, when you're really in the flow and in the zone and doing something you're confident, confident with me and a guitar and a folk song, I'm super confident. So I'm able to really focus on what the client needs at that moment. And I find if I'm more dramatic with my face and with my instrument, that she would begin to smile in a way that before I kind of, I kind of amped it up with the physical expression of the music. She wasn't as, as um, engaged, but then suddenly she was smiling and engaged. And when we use a prop, like a beach ball, we had a beach party. And so we were, I played, I used recorded music as well. And we had, I don't know, surfing safari or something. And we had a beach ball that we were kicking around to each of the, each of the people. And she was so physical with that beach ball. She was smiling and kicking it and hitting it. Well, if I hadn't taken the time or maybe if I hadn't had the music to sort of be that bridge between the two of us, she might not have experienced that joy. Hmm. So that's um, a recent and sort of salient example. Um, and, you know, when we're done here, I'm going to be like, oh, I forgot so-and-so and such-and-such and, such and this and that and the other. But I give you permission to interrupt another day. or interject it into another question if okay, cool. you do think about it later. Cool. That's so cool. That's interesting. You'll come back. Go ahead, anyway, so well, you'll have plenty of stories, plenty of time to tell your stories. Okay. I promise. I can we talk about musical self-care and what that is? Because yeah. I love it and I want to learn what that is because I feel like I do it anyway, but mm. I want to make sure I'm doing it. Yes. <laughs> well, so self-care is anything that um, buoys your spirits and calms your soul, and and that might be different for different people. So for some people, musical self-care might be Metallica headbanging. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not me, but it's wonderful if that's if that's if that's going to bring you joy. Um, for me, like I love to improvise on the piano, just make up melodies and chord progressions. And I find that sometimes when I do that, um, sometimes I just spontaneously just start to cry. And sometimes it's mm -hmm. a tear, and sometimes it's like a wow, you know, because there's something about the music that brings out that need in my heart where I might have tamped that down. I've got kids, I got a business, I've got this and that and the other thing. And um, without taking the time, I might just keep piling all that on top of each other. So if I stop and do something like that. So for me, you know, improvising on the piano is one of those things. I love Amazon Alexa. Oh, she's gonna, I meant to not say her name because she's gonna talk. And I don't know if Siri does this too, but you can tell her to play any kind of music and she will. <laughs> sometimes if you don't pay for the right service, I can't play that song, but I can play something like it. So sometimes I have like just a musical, just like a, I have like a dance party. I love seventies funk and I mm. love disco and I love all that stuff. And I love Jackson's. I love, um, I love ELO. EL, I'm really into ELO right now, which is strange because I never really was in ELO into ELO before. Um, and one of the things I did recently that's really cool that you could totally do Richard is do a, um, Let's see. What did I call it? Uh, I think I just called it music through my life or whatever. So I went on Spotify, half a Spotify account and just went when I was a child. What was the song that I really enjoyed? You know, Little Bunny mm -hmm. Fufu, my aunt, my aunt sang that to me. And then when I was a kid, you know, I listened to when I was like becoming a teenager and sort of giving, getting my own musical taste. I might listen to um, Donna Summer. And then when I was in high school, The Cure in college, um, Guns N' Roses, you know, so I made a musical timeline. And you can do that with your loved one too. If you're living with somebody with dementia and you're um, and they're interested in music, you never know if a song that you have li listened to before in, a ch in childhood is going to come up and bring up a memory, or even not just a cognitive memory. Oh, well, this reminds me of the time that I was walking my dog at the park. But just a visceral memory, which makes us who we are. You know, and those emotions that we might experience. Um, so a musical timeline, I think, is a really cool idea. And I listen to mine sometimes, and it makes me laugh. And that's good. That's good too. Mm. Um, so I'm all, I'm interested in that. Am I, um, am I getting to your question, Richard? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I, I also feel like I want to come to a party at your house. Yeah. <laughs> the music selection is going to be really good. Oh my gosh. I love a dance party. I'm yeah. I um, have a dance party. Whenever, whenever my, um, uh, one of my employees and I finish a grant, we have to, we send each other these little dance party clips to like celebrate. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, you got to do it, man. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. 
And when I say <laughs> dance party, it's just me. I'm having my own dance. I'm not, I don't have all, I'm not having a bunch of people over. It's just me dancing and, and yes. music and humor matches in that way too. Like mm-hmm. it's so fun. It's like choreograph a little dance. If, if nobody's watching, who cares? You know, choreograph a little, little dance to a fun the song. I love fun. Stanzi wants everyone to watch. And so you'll get random videos from her dancing. Join in. Yes. At the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I would just like video call people and I would be just dancing and like make them dance too. <laughs> yes. I've done that too. I've sent, I have sent videos to my mom yeah. and her and some friends going, Hey, you know, it's fun. You know, do a little, do a little dance. See Amy, we're kindred spirits. Yeah. <laughs> you can add me to your list of people to do dance, dance parties with. Okay, I cool. will dance party with you. I always threaten to do one on Zoom, but I never have. I always like I go, gosh, yeah, I go on. I, I used to really spend a lot of time on Facebook, but now I just I find it so hard. It's just so, mm. so I don't know. Dichotomous isn't the right word, but so divided, so divisive mm-hmm. for me now that I try when I do post, I try to post something light. That everyone can relate to and no one's gonna go you're wrong you know i'm right and ay 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 like i get it but um anyway so so every once in a while i'm like what's your favorite dance song let's have a dance party and people will all post and then i never invite anybody i just have them but you can come over richard we'll we could have had a dance party here on this podcast yeah we figured this yeah, out earlier time. could have let next us through actually, the first one i know actually the um the guests who we were gonna have with me today a couple of choir members they love abba and oh. so it was their anniversary not long ago. And so part of the rehearsal, which, um, you know, looks different on Zoom, but I pulled up Super Trooper is their favorite song. So right. I pulled up a Super Trooper video and we had a dance party, a Zoom dance party. It doesn't matter if you're not in sync. Nobody cares. But it was really fun. Oh and it, and they're, they dance a lot. They often, this, this particular couple often during rehearsal will get up and, and dance together. It's just lovely. Oh, that's so sweet. Wow. So one thing I would would ask, and you've probably you've touched on this, but I want to give you opportunity to share any anything else about this topic if you if you'd like. Um, if there's people listening that um, are maybe experiencing dementia or caring with someone for someone with dementia, what are ways that they can incorporate music into your lives to to in in their lives to improve well being or um, or just you know, how can, how can that bring some positivity in their lives? Yeah. Well, it can do a lot. And there's varied things that, you know, there's varied ways that you can experience it. One would be perhaps, uh, perhaps trying to find some, if you've gotten, if you had a wedding, well, we got married, if you got married, or even if you didn't, if you had a wedding or some sort of ceremony, some sort of ceremony, let's not, let's not be too linear there. Bring back some of that music that was maybe important to you in the beginning of your, your courtship, or if you're a child caring for a parent, maybe something that was important to you in childhood. Um, I love um, Mr. Rogers. Mm. And sometimes I'll play the Mr. Rogers neighborhood theme and it just brings up all these positive memories. So if you're caring for like a parent and you watch Mr. Rogers together, you know, that might be something you can watch the show together or just listen to the song. Another thing that you can do with music, especially as um, if you're home a lot and you're having a hard time, I think I have a hard time transitioning from one thing to the other. But especially with dementia, when you're um, when you're going, kind of going through your day, you can use different kinds of music to transition from one aspect to the other. So if lunchtime is a problem and your loved one doesn't want to come to the table or eat lunch, you know, at that point, if they don't want to come to the table, probably you just bring them their lunch, right? Um, they've, they've earned that right. But music might help bridge that gap if you have a lunchtime song because mm. it's so process so globally in the brain and also really viscerally like in the basal ganglia and those that brainstem area responds to rhythm really well so it's possible that just a little cue like that instead of you saying it's time for lunch it's time for lunch it's time for lunch maybe you try a song at lunchtime um bath time is also really a a struggle when you're uh, living with someone with dementia and you're caring for them oftentimes a bath is very scary uh, for various reasons, um, and music might also soothe that. Of course, you would want to go with your loved one's preferred music. I mean, that's not the time for Metallica, maybe. If that <laughs> makes them really agitated. But like, I don't know, Kenny G. Like, I was born in seventy, so I could, you know, or or jazz. Or um, we had some. We had somebody in our choir who would tell um, the tell Alexa, "Don't do it, Alexa." She said, "Play baby making jazz." 
Oh. And then did this kind of soft, cool jazz would come <laughs> on or whatever. We just thought that was so funny. You know? um, but anyway, it could be jazz. It could be classical. Classical. It could be something that has no connotation at all, like something like, like Enya. Maybe some deep breathing. You know, breathing to music is really important um, because I know when you're a care partner, it can be stressful. I mean, I am not caring for people with dementia, but I do care for small children, for younger children in a pandemic. Like I know I can mm. feel myself getting agitated. And so that might look like just <clears throat> taking some time for yourself for musical self-care, like we said before, um, music at bedtime. Again, if it doesn't work, don't, you know, don't push it. It doesn't work for everybody. It's not a prescription, but, um, and I said that, you know, the musical timeline is nice because if the person still has um, some ability for cognition at that level, you can, it's a nice form of reminiscing. It'd be a way to spend some time during a day if you're looking for something to, to do. But I think you would, I think my top, you know, advice really would just be to be, make sure you're breathing hmm. and make sure you listen to, you know, you listen to your loved one, whether it's words or expression, you know, you can see if someone's someone's becoming agitated and music might be just a distra- it might be a good distraction to change that the mindset hmm. and it might but it also might just be good for relaxation at a time where you might need it bedtime bath time etc hmm. um joining grace knows community choir would be a great thing that you could do <laughs> which still, is still on zoom right yeah we're still meeting on zoom we were about to go back in person and then huh. uh, madame delta came <laughs> and you know i'm going to start this choir season like we're going to meet together at some point during the season that's my hope hmm. um, so i'm going to have the accompanist come here to the house and we're going to do it a little bit differently it's been really me and my guitar i've relied on my music therapy skills a lot during the pandemic because because on zoom you're not able to hear what other people are doing you have to um, you have to change the, the format. So me and my guitar, like I said, I could sing any folk song, you could probably spit at me. So on the zoom. Yeah. So I've, re- let's, I've relied on those music therapy skills. They're more, mm-hmm. our zoom sessions are kind of more like a sing along than a choir rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So as things move forward, that's what I was saying. As things move forward, you know, I'm going to have you know, positive thoughts about being in person one day before too long. And until then, Hey, we've been able to stay connected. It's been 18 months. Yeah. People have been faithful attenders. We've had new faces, you know, we're, we're doing it. So how can our, how can our listeners find and join what you're doing at least virtually? Yes. So we are an official program now of Meals on Wheels. So we started as a UT Health program and we were kind of grant funded with, with UT Health and then Meals on Wheels had heard about what we were doing and they are these um, the Alzheimer's activity centers. The model's changing again, you know, the model on that has changed as well because of COVID, um, but some new programs are being started and launched. So we're on the Meals on Wheels website. It's, um, well, I'm, I'm sure you'll put it somewhere, but yeah, well, we can put, yeah. you put the website. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so if you go to the Meals on Wheels website and you go to activities, uh, I think it's under activities. I should have looked at that right before I got on, but I didn't. Um, Grace Notes Community Choir is on there and it will be virtual for the time being. Um, starting some new repertoire and yeah, starting on Friday, September 10th. You, you can come as you are and come when you can. It doesn't require any musical background at all. Um, it's great. So we have some people who sang. We have one particular member who sang with the Sweet Adeline's um, Barbershop Women's Chorus for 30 plus years. She's got a lot of choir experience, people with church choir experience and people with absolutely none. We have a lot of fun. We use music that's accessible. We do new music sometimes. You know, our main music is kind of from the 20s. Part of that is because it's public domain and we just can perform mm. the heck out of it without mm-hmm. worrying about that. Um but we also, we have, um, we do the Beatles and uh, John Denver, and we have a lot of some more contemporary things as well. So the music is, um, the aim is to be accessible to people with all sorts of abilities um, and with lots of experience and we're with none. That's awesome. I I just looked up the website real quick and the there's some really great stats on here from the Chorus Impact Study showing that 69% of singers ages 65 plus report a very good quality of life versus 22% 
of the general public. And 73% of singers say group singing makes them feel less lonely. Mm-hmm. I think those are really powerful statistics. Yeah. Yeah, there's it, a great organization too called Giving Voice Chorus. And that's in the, uh, I'm sure we can put that in the notes as well, who've done, it's based in the Midwest, um, in the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And they put together a toolkit even for people who are wanting to start these kinds of choirs. And so mm-hmm. it's sort of a, it's a movement, if you will. Mm-hmm. And there's dementia, dementia choirs. I'm putting air quotes. If you're, if you're listening, you don't see my air quotes. But um, in Scotland, Ireland, England, um, then the U.S., all over the place and the giving voice chorus kind of inspired, inspired us for sure. And was the model that Hmm. we use to start our choir and all the choirs are different. Some are big, some are small, Hmm. but that's a powerful um, community as well. Hmm. You, uh, we started with fun and I want to end with fun because you have an act, you have something for everybody that they can do at home. Literally, you need to be at home to do this <laughs> your little activity. So I want I want you to tell everybody because I want to do this. Okay. So we did two pre-interview questionnaires. Was this from the second one or the first one? This is from, I'm talking about found sound. Oh, thank you. Okay. This is from yep. the first one. Okay, cool. All right. Found sound. You don't have to be a musician to appreciate music. That's the one thing. So in a found sound experiment, what you're going to do is look around in your immediate vicinity. Here's what, here's what I got. I've got a water glass and this is a cool little eyeglass cleaner. I can sing a song too. I don't know how that would translate, but if you find something you got, another thing that's pretty cool is like a, a cheese grater and a plastic spoon. Ooh. You got a shaker, keys, medicine, rice in a box. There you go. You got it. I have Scooby Doo. How do we incorporate Scooby Doo and the rattle? Nice. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because it's easy. Because I want. Yeah, like it's not just listening to music and taking in music. It's also making noise, which is fun. I love yeah. making noise. Yeah, so you can put on your your listening device of choice, you know, whether it's a whether it's a program, you know, Pandora or Spotify or if it's Amazon Alexa, I have to say that so she doesn't go, yes. Um, <laughs> Siri, a record player, records are back in. So mm-hmm. you have a record player, anything. Yeah, and that way you can if you're not, especially if you're not comfortable singing, like I think singing is really powerful, but it's also very mm-hmm. intimate and personal. You can't hide behind anything. But this mm-hmm. isn't, you know, a water glass and an eyeglass cleaner. That's not very personal. I have a song in my head, but I can't. Re- oh, I can't remember what it is. But that that particular sound has brought back this song that I can't remember. <laughs> a way that you, but it's a way a way you can participate in music yeah. making when a less maybe intimidating way. Yes. Yeah. Even I love like it. a you know a drum on your a drum on your table. Or the. I mean, I have a. My piano is like right underneath me, so it's uh... <laughs> drum on your piano. Also, uh, also okay. Yeah, now I'm, I'm looking around. Like, what else do I have? I've got a lot of colored pencils for my daughter's backpack behind me. I could, bet you could do something a uh, rattle with some colored colored pencils, but <laughs> that's I'll cheating. You're using oh, a you're piano. I know. I, know. <laughs> yeah, what if, I can't. What if I? What if I sing? Is that going to be? Will it be weird over like? You can sing. I'm not going to sing like. But here's the song. Do it. Yes. Okay. What song is that? Yeah. What is the name of that song? No. I hope that's not too loud. You sound engineers will fix it. It's like it's the summertime. Something like that. And then we won't get sued because who knows? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. That's a good point. Yeah. Don't get sued, y'all. I don't want to bring that about. Well, she was a good guest, but then we got sued. She sang this weird song, whatever. How come that podcast ended after Amy was on it? Oh. <laughs> Shut it down. Yeah. Amy, uh, thank you so much for jumping on and talking to us. I want you to come back anytime. Bring people with you next time. Yeah. And maybe we turn the camera around to your piano next mm. time as well. Mm. Just, just a thought. Yeah, yeah. I need to get it tuned. My piano was an impulse. Was a co- was a COVID impulse buy, 
This that's is the most- a large impulse by Amy. Well, that's not that's not all. Do I have a second? Sure. Yeah. So I was feeling down. I was getting evaluated for a possible ADHD because suddenly my brain shut down. I couldn't think of anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. do I have, am I having a cognitive impairment? And I work with people with dementia. It's always, you know, when you see it a lot and you go, oh, oh. Um, but that wasn't it. And I was, I was having a, a conversation with somebody who was kind of talking with me through some issues. And she said, it sounds like you're a pianist without a piano. Aww. And so two hours later, I went and bought one. Aww. I didn't get it for months and months, but that's another story. Anyway, we got a piano in the house and then we needed new furniture. <laughs> so I bought new furniture and then we needed to paint. So we painted. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I got a grand piano. I, it was a good deal. It's a very used. I think it's a hundred something. I think it's a hundred years old. I'm about wow. to find out in the next couple of weeks. I got to get it to. Yeah. Piano was like half the cost of the furniture and half the cost of the painting, but it, it had to be, it had to be done. So that was the most, kept on giving. that's the most expensive therapy session I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but it had to be done. Is what it had said. to be done. And I'm so happy. I'm so pleased. It really has been nice. Yeah. Mm. So glad. Go to heartsneedart.org, click on the podcast link, get all of the the links and everything from Amy uh, on there. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're watching or listening, and we will see you or you'll hear us next week. All right, everyone, keep creating. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartseedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartseed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.